in the Old Testament. How many came to get some spiritual food this morning? Isaiah chapter 5. We're glad you're here this morning. We're glad that God is going to move in our lives today. Today's the day of the Lord. Amen? Sunday is his day, and we're going to celebrate this morning and learn what God's word says to us. We've got uh, some people out of town. Lift up Rowdy and Kendra this morning. He lost a cousin in the last couple of days, and he's at a funeral this morning, so please, please be lifting them up. Um, Isaiah chapter 5. Tell me amen when you get there. If you don't got a Bible, try to share with somebody and look on. We, we believe this morning that we are a church that has to believe what God's Word says. Amen? God's Word. We've got Bibles. If anybody doesn't have one, uh, there's always Bibles over here on this side over here. And uh, we want people to be able to look. This, it, 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 we're in a time, church, we've got to understand we cannot just be in church and listen to the message and just nod our heads yes. We've got to look in the Word of God, amen, and make sure that what's being preached is in the Word, God's holy Word, amen. Five of 20 says this, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, put, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Father, this morning for the next few minutes, arrest our minds. Open up our hearts. Let us just focus on you for a few minutes, not thinking about lunch or tomorrow or plans or problems or situations, but just really listening to your word so we can be different this morning, so we can be changed and understand the purpose you have for our lives. And spirit of darkness, we come against you, all your demons, all your spirits, all your wickedness, we come against you this morning by the blood of Jesus. And we can tell you that you have no place in our hearts and our lives and that the blood of Jesus defeated you on the cross and that the power of God is ours today and we are your children, Lord. And we ask you to teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Read this again with me. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put on darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Church, we're in a day today like never, ever before in the history of the world where people are saying things that are good are bad. And things that are bad and evil in God's sight are now good. Things have been accepted today that were never accepted before. I'm not going to go into all the different kinds of details that I could, but today, like never, ever before in the history of the world, things are being accepted. The truth is being twisted. We just spent a few weeks on a series of exposing Satan, exposing his schemes and his strategies. But this morning, the Bible says that we can know what is good and what is, is, is evil. Amen? We can discern the difference, and we need to as the church. But I've got good news for you this morning. There's a verse in the Bible that says that as, as sin abounds, which is darkness, grace abounds all the more. And I'm telling you, we may be in a dangerous time spiritually in the world, but the good news is this morning is that God has called our church to make a difference. God has called our church and, our, and the believers of Jesus Christ in the world today to stand up and be a light in this dark world. Amen? If you're taking notes this morning, I want to preach a message called, You Are the Light of This World. 
Amen? You. And in my notes, it says you in capital letters. So I'm not talking about the you next to you. I'm not talking to the you on the back side or the front side of where you're sitting. I'm talking to you today. You and me are the light of this world. And the Bible says he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? I want to I just give an example of this morning, and there's so many I could give. But has anybody noticed this morning the unbelievable amount of horror movies that have come out recently? I'm talking like never, ever before. There's always been horror movies. I guess they started really bad back in the late 60s and early 70s. But I'm telling you, it is every week, it seems like, that these horror, and it's not, it's not boo movies anymore. Boo, come out of a closet and boo. That's not what the movies are. This is, this is d- the devil just screaming, here I am, and I rule this world, and y'all want to come watch me. I'm going to do a show. I'm telling you, it's crazy. And there is, there's, I, I started to look online, that, and, I, and I, I lost count after 25 movies that are coming out, have come out since January to today. 25. And I didn't even, I was like on page 2 of 10 of movies that have permitted, obviously some are bigger than others and some make it to the, you know, to the big screen more. But it's just, people are sitting around today scheming and finding ways that they can glorify darkness. That they can glorify the enemy. That they can, that they can. oh, let's just scare them. But there's always something behind that. And we've been talking in this series about how the devil dresses himself as a, 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 an angel of light. But this isn't even dressing himself as an angel of light. He's just coming out and saying, this is what we're about. And watch it. And like it. And here, here's the plot of one movie that's out. That, that I guess this is a remake of... Of the past, and I've, and for those that know me personally, I, I have always disliked horror movies. But I, when I got saved, I disliked them even more because I began to find out how real the spiritual warfare is in the world with between God and 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 and, and the devil and Jesus and and the demons, Amen, and angels and de- and I began to see how real it was. And I personally, over the years, have face to face seen. The, the demon work in, 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 in life, in people. And I thought, I don't need to go spend money to see this. I see it every day. There was a time, and I'm going to share this because many have never heard this. When I got saved, I thank God I got saved in a church that understood spiritual warfare. Lots of people don't today because it's not preached a lot, but understanding that there is a huge difference between, you know, it's not just, oh, I'm saved now. The, the devil hates your guts. Sorry to use the word guts. He hates us, and he wants to destroy us, and that, that was what I was talking about in that series. And he's, he's real, and his spirits are real, fallen angels, and they possess people. They, they can't just float around in the air and scream. They have to be in possession of somebody, and that's a whole other message. But when I was young and had just gotten saved, there was other people getting saved with me. And I remember this one couple, they were, sorry, not a couple, they were brother and sisters. They came in and got saved. And this is what our church is about today, trying to find these lost people. My dad will remember this, uh, Omar and, and uh, Sugar. They were a Hispanic brother and sister, and they were in the cult. They were in witchcraft. They were, in the, they were into all kinds of crazy stuff. And they came in and got saved, miraculously, Amen. 
And I remember one service, there was a lot of youth getting saved, and God was really moving in, the, in, in our church. And, and I said, I'm just recently saved and new to the Lord. And I remember one service, she began to manifest. And I'm not trying to scare you this morning. This is just, this is real, okay? And I'm going to show you how real it is. She began to manifest and act crazy. And so we took her out of the church and took her to a place, it wasn't just one person, several of us took her, to go pray for her, because we did not want to pray for her in front of everybody else. Because when a spirit gets cast out of a person, it goes somewhere else. It ha- do, how many remember the story of the man at the Gadarenes, that when Jesus came to him, the Bible said he had a legion of demons, which is 2,000 demons, and those demons cried out to him, Son of God, please send us into the pigs. Remember? Because they didn't want to go back to hell. So they had to find a place, and he sent them into the pigs, and the 2,000 pigs went into the water and, and killed themselves. Okay, So that just goes to show you that spirit has to, and I could give you a lot of other verses, the spirit has to find a place to possess. And it will find a place where Christ does not live. Okay, So we took her back, and my dad's a witness of this. It took about seven or eight of us, men. This little girl was 15 years old. Seven or eight of us to get her out of the sanctuary. That's how strong she was. Not in her own strength. Took her downstairs to the basement and began to pray over her and cast the demons out of her and bind those spirits in the name of Jesus. And if this is freaking any of y'all out, I can act like it don't exist and just move on. But it's real. We're praying for her. And at one moment, I'll never forget it, and I know my dad won't either. We're right there. And I'm telling you, if you've never seen this, it, 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 but see, it's in the movies. That's what's funny. It's in the movies, and they glorify it, and, uh, but it's real. Those little eyes you see in those movies, I've seen those eyes looking straight at me and praying and, and it's binding that spirit in the name of Jesus. And at one moment, we're holding her arm. One man's on an arm. One man's on another arm. One man's holding her foot. We, it took a man on each limb to keep her on the ground. Because she was swinging, hitting, and, and that, if that, if that, if, is there any woman here that honestly thinks that, and I'm talking about a, someone maybe the size of Adrian, right there, raise your hand. Do you, think you, do you think that you could get up with four guys, one guy, there's no way in your own strength, right? I'm not trying to say she's weak, I'm just saying that's not possible. And it was, it was trying to keep her down so we could pray for her, and at one moment, she, looked, she turned her head to me, straight to me, and for those of you that know my testimony, I left a basketball scholarship. I left my dreams of basketball and all those things to go into the ministry. She did not know me. She did not know my testimony. And she looked straight at me with those demonic eyes and began to speak to me. And in a demonic, not woman's voice, not a woman's voice, not even if you tried to talk that low, said these words, I had a plan for you. I was going to use you. I was going to do great things through you. I was going to make you famous, all kinds of stuff, straight to me. She knew who I was, that demon. And at that moment, there was a righteous indignation that came upon my father. (laughs) He said, devil, in the name of Jesus. And he cast that demon out, and she got set free. Amen? But I'm telling you, it's real. But we're watching these movies, church. And that's just one example of many over the years I've seen. And we're watching these movies. This says five friends became held up in a remote cabin when they discover and unwittingly awaken a dormant demonic presence living in the woods. 
Soon after, this is the plot of the movie. Soon after, the demons possess the youngsters in succession until only one is left intact to fight for survival. That's the plot of Evil Dead. The movie just came out, which I guess is a remake of something they made before. So here's the reception of the world to this movie. Evil Dead has received very positive reviews from critics. Evan Dixon from Bloody Disgusting reviewed the film at SXSW and went on to say, Evil Dead is amazingly gory and fun. And gave the film four out of five stars. Chris Tilly of IGN gave Evil Dead nine out of ten. Called the movie a terrifying, exhilarating, and relentlessly entertaining new chapter in the Evil Dead story. John DeFore of The Hollywood Reporter also gave the film a positive review, calling it a remake that will win the hearts of many of the original's fans. Independent horror review, Sight Horror Talk, gave the film four stars out of five, saying it's the most unrelenting and bloody horror film to come out of a major studio in a very long time. It's a while before anyone picks up a chainsaw, but boy, is it worth it when they do. These are the reviews. Matt Singer called the film an assault on the senses and a success, one that out evil deads the original movie with even more gore, puke, blood, and dismembered limbs. It may not be wildly invented, but it's effective. That sounds interesting. Effective and plenty faithful to the spirit and tagline of the first ultimate experience in grueling terror. That's just, I just gave you an example of what the world calls good. My man? I know you're probably as shocked as I am. Go in your Bibles. We were in Isaiah, correct? Go over to the left in your Bible and head towards Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. How many have, do I have your attention this morning? All right. Good. Isaiah chapter 60. How many came out of that world? Nobody. Okay. Let me give that example. How many came out of that world? Amen? Well, we all should have raised our hands because I'm not talking about going to the movie. I'm talking about that world that that movie exists in. It's called darkness. Problem is a lot of times we think, man, I've never done drugs. I've never smoked. I've never done this. I've never done that. I'm, I, I'm not one of those people. Yes, you are. You were going to the same place that the murderer and the rapist and the prostitute was going to. Because our righteousness is nothing. Our righteousness is filthy rags this morning. Amen. We were all sinners separated from God, but thank Jesus for the cross. Thank Jesus for the cross this morning. Amen. That there's a bridge today that we have crossed over. And the Bible says if we're on this side now, I'm not go, I won't go back. Won't go back. Won't go back to the way it used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. And old no longer are those things there. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. How many new creations do I have this morning? How many are tired of that old life? How many don't want to go back to that old life? Amen. There's nothing for me there but darkness. And when you're in the darkness, the darkness seems light. It seems good. It seems right. But when you're blind, you're blind. And the Spirit of God raises those blinders off of our eyes, and Jesus opens up our eyes, and we see the truth now. And we see the light now. And we go with the light, which is Jesus. And Isaiah 60 
talks about this because remember in verse 5 he said, Woe. How many know woe is a pretty, not, not wow, woe is a strong word. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Bittersweet, sweet, bitter. Church, we've got to be people who are different from this world. We have to be different. We can't just say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but, you know, no, we got to be different. We need to be, and I'm going to show you some scriptures in that this morning, but starting in Isaiah chapter 60, look at verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for the light has come, which is Jesus. He's prophesying this before Jesus came on the scene. And it says, And the glory of the Lord, listen, is risen upon you. Upon you. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, God's glory is on you. How many believe that this morning? He says, Arise and shine. Let your light, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And in deep darkness, the people. Today, there's deep darkness over this world. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, meaning anybody that's not Jewish, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to what? How many times have you seen that this morning? Amen? I'm going to tell you again. You are the light of this world. You and I are the light of this world. They gather. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar off. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Let me tell you something. We don't have to be overcome this morning with this darkness. We can stand up in this dark world and be light. We can stand up in this dark world and be joy. We can stand up in this dark world and be peace. Amen? Listen, we are close to the return of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, that trumpet could be at Gabriel's mouth right now. Jesus is coming soon. But, and, and, and the world is in d- deep trouble. And there is trouble all around. But I have a word for us and the church of Jesus Christ this morning that the best is still ahead. Amen? That souls are coming into the kingdom of God. Because he said, before he comes, there'll be a mighty move of God. And all your brothers, sisters, friends, neighbors are going to get saved for the glory of God because God is going to use you and me to rise up and be his church and be his light. I'm the light. I'm the light in this world. So are we agreeing this morning we're in a dark world? That's done then. We can move on. We're in a dark world. The only way you can see in darkness is with light. And the Bible is going to show us here that Jesus is the light. Amen. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, now we're going to go into the New Testament. I'm going to show you some scriptures. Remember, you are the light of this world. Do you realize as you go to Matthew 5 this morning, what a privilege. This is what gets me excited when I begin to think that the creator of this world wants to use me. Not the president or a, or a governor or, or some famous athlete. or You know, we'd get, we'd get real excited this morning if we got a call from some famous person saying, hey, I'd like you to be on my team. Come on. Hello. Be real. 
Man, I got a phone call, you know, from so-and-so, and they want me to do something. Man, we'd be excited, but let me tell you something. There's no phone call I could get that would get me more excited than I am right now to know that my God in heaven knows my name, and I'm his child, and he wants to use me to change this world. And he wants to use you too, amen? He wants to use us. Matthew 5 says, you are, verse 14, you are the light of this world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now look what this says. Nor do they light a lamp. These are Jesus' words and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There must be this morning inside of us a desire. I don't know where you're at in your own personal walk. I can't base your walk off of what I see with my eyes. You and God know where your walk with the Lord is. But there's something that should be inside of a believer that doesn't want anything to do with this world. If you're pulled and attracted still to this world, and I'm not talking about being tempted. I want you to be mature about that. But if you're still in love with this world, if you're pulled to this world, if you're attracted to the worldly things and they have your attention, you need to get a heart issue changed this morning. You need to fall in love with Jesus again. Because I cannot be in love with Jesus and the light and still love this world. I can't. I can't be both. I don't want to be both. And there should be a desire inside of us, something that's not, not here, something that's so deep inside you cannot see it, something that says, I want my light to so shine before men that they would see my good works and glorify God in heaven. There's got to be something in, in, in my my goal this morning is that when you walk out of this place, there is such a burning passion inside of you to be a light, to be different, to stand up. We've got to learn, church, to stand up for the word of God. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. We don't need to be ashamed of the words of the Bible. We don't need to say, man, it's, it's, it's just getting harder and harder. Yes, because Isaiah 5 is being fulfilled right before us, that good is being called evil and evil is being called good. We're in that place right now. But here's the thing. How many know when it's really, really dark? That light really, really, really makes a difference. It does. When the lights are on right now, if you pulled out a flashlight, it wouldn't mean anything. Because you're in the church. It's light in here. But as soon as you walk out of those doors, spiritually, you walk into darkness. And when you walk out of those doors, you need to understand through the scriptures this morning that now Jesus Christ is the light of the world, but he is no longer on this earth. Do I need to say that again? Has anybody seen Jesus here lately? Not physically. His spirit's here. But last time I checked, you can't see the spirit. Matter of fact, he said that. He said, I don't want people to worship me that way. I don't want it to be visible. I want them to worship me in spirit and in truth. Meaning that I don't have to have an object of affection to worship. 
I'm going to get into that in the next few services. I'm going to get into where a lot of religions and a lot of beliefs are always having to have something they can see and touch to be able to worship it. And the Bible calls that idolatry. Amen. When we come into this place, we don't have to have something we can physically see or touch because Jesus Christ is not needed to be physically touched this morning. He has already ascended to the Father. He's interceding for us, but His Spirit is here, and we can feel and sense His Spirit, and His Spirit works on our spirit, which cannot be seen. And we got to understand that there's something deep inside of me that says, I want to be the light of the world. Go now to 1 John, almost to the end of the Bible, chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Give me an amen or I'm there or something when you get there so I can start reading it. I've already got mine ready because I knew where I was going today. Sometimes I don't. 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. I could stop right there and spend an hour, but I won't. Don't worry. Don't love this world. Listen, again, this is you personally doing an examination of your walk with the Lord. I don't want to love this world. The, The world has a strong pull. We have to be real. It does have a strong pull. But the reason many times we fail and we fall into temptation is because we are in love with the world. If our love and our affection, as the Bible says in Philippians, is on things above, then my love and affection of this world will be on God and not things in this world. Amen? So he says, do not love, this is 1 John chapter 2. I want you to really see these verses. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he's going to give a little bit of explanation of what that is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And look at this, and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. Amen? So something inside of us says, I don't want want to be a part of those things. Church, you have to learn as a believer, as an individual believer this morning, you've got to learn what is not pleasing to God and what is. We need to learn to not be followers, but leaders. We're not supposed to go, if we begin to follow the world, we're going to follow them right to hell. Because that's the direction the world's going this morning. People who reject Jesus are on a path that they don't know this morning. Just as the Bible says Saul was. As he was on the road to Damascus, he was lost. But what happened? The light came down on him. He was blinded. He saw Jesus. And he changed. He changed that morning, and he gave his life to the Lord. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to begin to move quickly with some more verses. How many still believe you're the light of the world this morning? How many know this is necessary to be preached? God's called us to be the light this morning. Paul, if you wouldn't mind killing that top light real quick. 
I know no one else in here ever gets hot. Say amen when you're in 2 Corinthians. You still see, right? 2 Corinthians 6. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I want you to look at this, church. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He's not saying don't live in this world, okay? The yoke means that I walk in agreement with somebody. The yoke means that we're hand in hand, that we're, that we're together. And there, that can go a lot of directions, but as a church, as a believer this morning, again, this isn't what we're doing as a church. It's individually where you're walking in your walk with the Lord. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which means it's personal. It's a personal thing with you and God. Amen? It's not what what my wife does or my daughters do or my friend does. It's what I do. Because you got to remember, church, there's going to be a day when we're all going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account for our lives. If you want to make it in this world today, get your eyes off of the world. Get your eyes on Jesus. When your eyes are on Jesus, you're safe. He says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Look what it says. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? Have you ever seen oil and water mix? They can go in the same place, but they will not mix. They stay separate. That needs to be a visual of how we should be in the world. We're in the same bucket, which is the world, but we are not of this world. So we're in the same place, but there's something that oil says, I will not mix. Water says, I will not mix. There's a separation. They're in the same place, but they do not mix. What place does a believer have mixing with an unbeliever in anything? And that's what Paul is trying to say here. Sorry, and John is trying to say in the book of 1 John. So go on with me. Then he says, And what accord has Christ with Belial, which is another word for Satan? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with what? Idols. And he says, For you are the temple of the living God. Now I want you to look at this next part. This is neat. He says, and as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. How are we going to be the light of the world as Jesus walks in us? In us. Amen? He's saying here, not around, not next to. He dwells in us. And we have to make sure that in our walk during the week, we are letting our light shine So that Jesus can walk and dwell inside of me so that I can affect people around me. That's God's call. And I want, I'm I'm a break, I've said this a billion times, here's a billion and one. My daughters have heard it one trillion times. There's always an influencer. One person's being influenced and one person is influencing. If I went to sat down, sit down next to Jose right here and we were just sitting, 
somehow, some way, one of us would begin to influence the other. In the conversation, in which way the conversation goes, in what we talk about, if we got to a subject, one or the other would begin to lead the subject. One or the other would begin to impress the other person, their beliefs. How many understand that? You might not even think about it, but there is always an influence. One person is influencing the other. And I want to give you an understanding this morning of what this world is like. Because this, this, is, this is the world we live in. It does get really dark. And when it gets dark in the world, we need to be that light. And it's just this simple. This is kind of a generic example, but it's just this simple. You are the light of the world, the Bible says. And everywhere you go, you're walking in a world of darkness. And we need to have our droid flashlight on. Amen? I didn't say droid. I meant our flashlight on. That's just a joke. We have an ongoing joke. So if I sit next to, next to Jose, you're in the darkness today, but not really, right? This is just an example. He's in the darkness. I can let my light shine on him. So he can see what he needs to see. And what is in me is exposing what's in him. Amen? He's in darkness. He doesn't know anything. And he won't know without me. You don't understand that coworker you have is never going to know Jesus without you. That family member that doesn't know the Lord is never going to know Jesus without you. And he needs you to go and sit down next to him. I don't know you. I'm sorry, but we're going to know each other now. And shine the light. Can you see your Bible better now? Isn't that sweet? I'm being the light for him. I'm showing him something he can't see. He's trying. He's trying. Do you know deep down inside we're trying to be right? Oh, yeah. The world's searching. But when it's dark, and I could make it a lot darker in here. You all know if I turn the rest of the lights on, it'd be pitch dark. But my job is not to light up the whole world because I can't do all that at once with this. But I can make a difference right here. And he can now see the, the word, and the light comes on in his life. But if I'm sitting here next to him and I've got... My, my, my light under, under the bushel, then we're both sitting in darkness. I'm in light, but I'm not letting my light shine. Because he's talking about certain things, and I'm going, yeah, and he's t- he just said a joke, and I just laugh at it. Ha, 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 yeah, that's funny. And, and I'm doing all, and well, there's no light. But if all of a sudden I say, you know what, I'm, that, you know, that, that, that's not something I think is funny. <laughs> then my light comes back on. Hey. I said the light comes back on. There we go. How many get what I'm saying? You have to see a visual. We, it, the light's on when you're at work, physically. All around you is darkness. And, and you're, you're just walking. Just picture that. You're walking around and, and just lights. Light is shining. You know what our coworkers and our students at work should be feeling convicted when they're around us? Not, condem- not condemned, convicted. Because of what is in us. But if I'm living just like they're living, and I'm believing just what they're believing, and I'm walking just like they're walking, then there's darkness. And there's no light. Nothing's different. But if I've got my flashlight spiritually on, if I've got my light on, that Jesus is, he's my everything, and I'm walk- they're seeing this light, and they're going, why do why, why you have a light on you? Why, how come you can see and I can't? And you walk over and you say, let me show you. And there's the light. And then all of a sudden, darkness is exposed. You ever, turn, you ever walked into the kitchen and cockroaches and mice run? Amen? 
They like the darkness. Once you turn the light on, trust me, I know we have a mighty mouse here in the kitchen. We have, we have a growing mouse because I had protein back there, and he got into it, and he ate all my protein. But I think he's dead. There might be a smell. If not, I got a big rat trap. But Jose saw it first. And so now when I go back there, I give him a warning. I go, shh. And so several times when I did that, I saw him go down the little pole. And so he goes to his hole. Give the devil a warning. Amen. I'm coming. Amen. Light. Like I said, it, it, you can turn that back on, Paul, please. It may, it may be a generic example, but it really, that's really what God has called us to be. And I don't even have to walk around necessarily saying anything. The light of Jesus is in me. And if it's real, it's not religious. If it's real, something inside of you, people are going to see. And they're going to say there's something different about you. I don't understand why. I don't understand what it is you have. Amen. There's, it's real. How many want that kind of real relationship with the Lord that the people just see and they go, I don't know what you have, but I want it. I want what is in you. I'm, and, and you know what? They're so sick and tired of this world. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn the light switch on. Have you ever been in a really dark place and don't even know where to start? You're feeling around and you're trying. You don't know where the light switch on. If you were ever going to our bathrooms in the dark, you're going to be in trouble because there's no light switch. You're going to be feeling around for a long time. There is no light switch, but there's light. And we don't have to turn it off and on. Shouldn't want to turn it off and on. Well, it's Sunday. Well, I'm around church people. Come on. Well, I'm around some people that kind of turn it off. That light, there should be... I don't know if anybody got that. There should be no light switch. The light needs to stay on all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Everywhere I go, I'm taking the light in with me. I'm not leaving the light outside. Did Jesus know what he was talking about? He said, what good does it do if you hide it under a bushel? If you were ever in church as a kid, we, we learned a song. Amen? About this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Amen? I will dwell in them. I'm going to finish. And walk among them. I cannot speak for you. But I want so bad for Jesus to walk and dwell in me. And I want people so bad to just say, I want what you have. There's something about you. There's something, one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten from somebody was somebody walked into this place after a message. And, you know, we get visitors and people come and people go. And I never met the person before. And they came up to me. And they said, good message. And I said, praise God. And they said, you're real. There's no greater compliment, church, than if somebody could see that we're real. Not perfect. Don't have it all together but real. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a fake. 
Be the same here as you are at church, at work, as you are at school, as you are at the supermarket, as you are everywhere you go. Don't change. Don't be a, don't be a chameleon that blends in. Be light everywhere you go in this dark world. And then he goes on to finish. I say this, verse 17, come out from among them and be separate. He says, don't touch what is unclean. Musicians, you can come, and I will receive you. Don't touch what is unclean. Now, we're at all different places in here. Some have been saved a long time. Some saved a short time. Some have more knowledge of the Bible. Here's the thing. Many times we do something or a message is preached, and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on in our spirit, and we go, okay, man, I did not know I was doing that. I did not know that was wrong. I did not, and we honestly don't. We, that's why the word of God exists. He says, I've got a manual. I've got something that you can follow. I've got something you can look at. We don't have to wonder, is this right? Is this wrong? We don't have to be, we've got the Holy Spirit that tells us, and he convicts us. If you're going through this week, church, and you feel convicted for something you did, it's the Holy Spirit. Don't come to me and go, hey, I felt this feeling. Do you think it was? It was the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. And if he says don't touch that, don't touch that. Don't be like the little kid that you say, don't touch that hot oven. And they have to go touch it and burn themselves to know that it was really hot. He says don't touch those unclean things. Don't be a part of that worldly, those worldly things. Be separate. Be different. Come out. Stand alone. You know what he says after that? I will receive you. And I'll be a father to you. Think about it. How many parents I got in here? A lot of parents. A parent will never, ever, ever to the 60th millionth power stop loving their children. But there'll come times when a parent has to say, I, I can't condone what you're doing anymore. It's wrong. And that's what God does. God will never, ever, ever stop loving you. But there'll come a time when they'll say, I cannot condone that. I want to walk with you, but I can't walk with you because you're in darkness. Separate yourself, and I will. I'm, I'm reading the scriptures. Don't touch anything unclean. He says, and I will receive you, and I'll be a father to you. He says, and you'll, you should be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And then he goes on and to say in the word, don't have fellowship with those people, and you you learn as you go. Amen. You learn as you go. Certain things are kind of obvious. We just need to say, I'm not going to have any part of that. 1 John 5, where we're, we're worrying, 2, says, Then this is the message, verse 5, We have heard of him and declare unto you, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not know the truth. See, God is saying there, I need you to be honest with me. I need you to be honest with me. Right? In that same book, church, if you've heard it, he says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. But he wants a confession. 
He wants us to own up to our... If you're trying to say, well, God, you know, and you try to make excuses, that's not going to work with God. God knows you better than you know yourself. He is wanting us to say, I don't want... What He's really wanting us, and I'm going to end with this, is He's really wanting us to get to a place where we don't want to be in those things. We don't want it. It's not... Here's the difference. It's not that I'm not doing it because I know I'm not supposed to. I'm not doing it because I don't want to do I don't want anything to do with the world and darkness and sin. I love my God so much. I just want to be in communion with God. I just want to please Him. What parent doesn't want their kids to obey them? Not because they have wherever my paddle is. Not because they have a paddle. What parent doesn't want their kid to obey Him? Not because of this. Not because they say, if you do it again, what parent doesn't want their kid to obey because they love their parents and they just want to do right? There's no parent that wouldn't give anything in the world to their children if their children do what's right. The love never stops. But I believe this morning God's heavens are open wide for those people this morning that are here that say, God, I, I want to be light in this world. And, and church time is short. The world's getting crazy. North Korea wants to bomb us. Amen. If I was in this world and I didn't know Jesus, I'd be scared. Because they're not joking around. They didn't go, ha ha. We're going to nuke you. No joke behind it. No LOL. No JK. Just kidding. Amen. It's a scary world. God is standing up there going, you know what, I could change the world myself if I wanted to, but I choose you. I choose you to be my light. And he says, just let me be light through you. Try to do it on your own. As you fall in love with the Lord, as you close your eyes and bow your heads, as you fall in love with the Lord, he comes out. And what's in you comes out. Because I love the Lord. Father, we love you this morning. God, I cannot express in my words how much I love you.